3: A 32-year-old man found murdered in his own home in Abbotsford. And the feat carried out by two kayakers that was all caught on camera.
4: You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6.
3: Well, the firefight in the Okanagan continues, crews relentlessly fighting the Mount Aeneas fire, that fire outside Peachland and Summerland, still out of control. It has now grown to more than 1,300 hectares in size. This is the largest wildfire that is burning closest to any community right now. Good evening. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. We start with the latest on that firefight in B.C., 119 wildfires now burning across the province tonight. Eight of them are fires of note. That basically means they're visible or pose a potential threat to public safety. 18 new fires sparked in just the last 24 hours. So far, the weather today hasn't made the situation worse, but firefighters are worried about the days ahead. We can now bring in our Chris Galis, who's joining us from just outside of Peachland. That is near the Mount Enius wildfire. Chris, uh, what is the latest where you are?
4: Well, some good news, Sonia. You mentioned the number of fires in B.C. In the Okanagan Fire Complex, there are 14 burning, and by far the biggest and most troublesome is the one we've been focusing on for the past four or five days. That's the Mount Eneas Fire you mentioned, and it's right over my shoulder right now. They have been attacking this all day long. They've got a crew of about 200 uh, more than 200. It's grown this afternoon. They've got 18 helicopters uh, bucketing water on it tonight. And because they've made such great progress, they were able to lift an evacuation order for a bunch of properties just east of Highway 97 down towards Okanagan Lake. So they're still under an evacuation alert but and have to be ready to go at a moment's notice. But at least they're able to come and go as they please from their Uh, properties. Now, one of the reasons, as I mentioned, that they've been able to make great progress against this fire over the last little bit is the weather and also because they're dumping everything they've got on it. They've got all kinds of uh, helicopters and bucketing equipment up there. They've got crews on the ground as well, and it is making a difference because with much higher humidity, much higher humidity and lower temperatures than you'd expect in the middle of summer in the Okanagan, it's made a huge difference. Here's how incident commander Glenn Burgess described to me the benefit it's had on his crews.
0: It's been massive, actually. We, we've seen very little uh, what we will call crown involvement with uh, the fire. So the fire's really been sticking to the ground, which allows us to operate a lot more safely. And with crews, it allows the air resources to be more effective as well. Um, and it also has reduced smoke volume and it also slows rates of spread. So that and a little change in wind direction as well has also taken quite a few of these areas and, and taken the direction of spread away from the populated areas. So eases the kind of mental stress and fatigue for residents and, and things like that.
4: Well, we all remember last year was a record-setting wildfire season, and there were all kinds of problems in central B.C. and the caribou. Now, our reporter Shelby Tom ran into a couple who just three months ago moved down from Ashcroft after living through that last year, moved down to the Okanagan, and feel like they're living through it all over again.
2: Here we are again, two years in a row.
1: Stacy and Trace DeBorn just moved to the Okanagan from Ashcroft where they faced the Elephant Hill wildfire last summer. This year it's Mount Aeneas.
4: Last night like that whole hillside was just all glowing. It was just all flames. So uh, pretty scary.
1: The 13 hectare wildfire is burning just across the lake from their ranch in Meadow Valley. It's a community near Summerland still recovering from floodwaters. On Friday the property and 48 others were placed under evacuation alert. We started putting the camper on the truck. Just in case we had to
5: make a quick getaway.
1: The pair says they were on edge a few nights ago when the fire flared up, fueled by strong winds. But today, there is a sigh of relief.
5: I'm feeling a lot better about it today. It seems to have really settled down. I think we just got so lucky last night that there was no wind.
1: Crews are making progress in the firefight thanks to cooler temperatures and lighter winds. You can still see heavy smoke and trees candling on the hillside. However, authorities believe this wildfire no longer poses an imminent threat to the waterfront properties below.
0: We currently don't have any significant concerns with rapid growth or expansion. And if the weather holds for another few days, we're anticipating having a real good amount of success.
1: That's why residents of more than 80 properties were allowed to return home today after they were evacuated midweek.
0: That's obviously a big step and shows that we're making some progress and have confidence in the fire behavior.
1: Communities across the valley showing their gratitude for the tireless efforts of firefighters. Shelby Tom, Global News, near Summerland.
4: And Sonia, another big development today was the establishment of a fire camp on the West Bank up near Kelowna where all of the crews that are working on this Okanagan fire complex can stay, recharge their batteries, they camp there, they're fed there. There's a warehouse to provide their equipment and make any repairs that are needed and it really is a centralized location to be able to organize the firefighting effort. And that just started today and will continue as long as it's needed this firefighting season. Coming up a little later in the news hour, we'll talk to some of the businesses impacted down here. It's important to remember, they're still open for business. And even though it sounds like a lot of fires when you talk about 14, very few of the businesses are impacted. We'll talk to a couple that are and why they want people to continue visiting the Okanagan. It's imperative for this tourist season. That's coming up a little later. I'll toss it back to you now, Sonia.
3: All right, Chris, thank you so much for all of that. Chris Galis uh, reporting for us uh, just outside of Peachlands. Let's get some more details right now on the kind of conditions firefighters can expect in the next few days. Uh, bringing our meteorologist Yvonne Schall on
6: that one. Uh, Yvonne, uh, let's start with the heat first of all. Is there any let-up at all in the next few days? It has been a touch cooler in terms of the temperatures. Uh, we were into the low 20s, and typically for this time of the year, we should get up to 27 or 28 degrees, but the heat will make a return. Turn and I'll show you in just a moment. Across the province, we have eight major fires of note. We're seeing the precipitation and moisture right across the central half of the province, and even the risk of thunderstorms continues for this evening and tomorrow. The southern half of the province, though, the winds will be a big weather story as we progress throughout this evening, and similar for tomorrow. Fire danger rating, a quick update for you. It's really the southern interior that we're seeing at moderate to high, and the southeastern corners of the province from high to extreme for the areas in red. Relative humidity with a quick check, areas near Vern- Higher at 43, it's the southern sections for Soyuz with the humidity at 24. We have seen windy conditions today. A few spots just over 40 kilometres per hour. The potential once again, tomorrow we're looking at northwesterly winds sustained at 20 with gusts of up to 40 kilometres per hour. i will have more on that coming up shortly. Sonia? All right, thanks very much for that, Yvonne. Uh, We will go back to Chris out in the
3: Okanagan a little bit later on. But as the other news right now, let's uh, tell you about the shocking discovery in an Abbotsford neighbourhood. A man was found murdered in his own home. Police confirming the death late last night saying the victim was known to them. Julia Foy reports. The
7: Integrated Homicide Investigation Team spent the day looking for clues into the death of 32-year-old Abbotsford resident Soukpreet Greywall Neighbours are rattled.
2: I mean, it's kind of scary because we come and visit here. We have like a, a little baby, so. Yeah, it's sad. Really
8: sad.
7: Greywall's family reported him missing on Friday, but when police attended, they discovered a murder scene.
8: He's had interactions with the police, uh, but uh, we're certainly going to determine that, uh, whether he had any sort of gang affiliations, whether this was related to uh, the ongoing uh, gang conflict in the lower mainland or some other conflict.
7: Court documents reveal someone with the name Sukpreet Greywall was charged in December with one count of assault and one count of uttering threats to cause death or bodily harm. He was scheduled to appear in Abbotsford court on July 16th.
5: The dog was barking all night and that was unusual because the dog was normally in the house.
7: Neighbor Bob Claussen says he noticed something was wrong at Greywall's house earlier in the week.
5: At one point I heard the dog yelping a little bit and I was on my back deck and it, it sounds like the dog was being beaten. And I'm going, wait a minute, this guy doesn't beat his dog, I've never heard this before. And then it got quiet. And after that, the dog was outside.
7: Two members of Greywall's family, the man and woman seen on the left, visited the crime scene. They told Global News they didn't want to speak to the media. But I hit as a plea for
8: the public. This is where we need the help of those who knew Mr. Grewal the best. I'm talking about the friends, the associates, um, just anybody that knew him. Uh, don't be silent. Please come forward and speak with hit.:
3: Julia Foy,
7: Global News.
3: A warning from Vancouver Police tonight about a high-risk sex offender who's now living in the community. Tristan Vickers is living at a halfway house in the city. Police say he poses a significant risk to the public safety. He's serving a 10-year supervision order for break-and-enter, as well as sexual assault, causing bodily harm. Now, the 25-year-old was tried and convicted as an adult. He has to now follow a number of strict conditions. They include a curfew from 10 pm to 6 am unless he's working he also has to report any relationships he has with girls or women to his parole supervisor and he can't can't buy or take drugs or alcohol now police are asking the public to be vigilant and call 911 immediately if uh, this man is seen violating any of those conditions A group of protesters in Burnaby not going away despite an eviction order by the city. The Demonstrators have set up camp outside the Kinder Morgan tank farm and they were ordered to leave by today. But as Jill Bennett reports, the city is now preparing to turn to the courts to force them out. Camp Cloud will not
9: be evicted. That was the message after the deadline to remove this camp came and went. Protesters were given 72 hours by the city of Burnaby to vacate. The eviction citing unsafe structures, showers and unleashed dogs on the site. But the response to the notice on Wednesday was clear and remains that way. Camp Cloud is about the public interest the public safety and the public health of all water for all living things. But the camp, which started as a smaller protest of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion, has grown, spreading down the street in front of the Kinder Morgan gates. And there is a sacred fire, when the fire department says has to be put out. The sacred fire at Camp Cloud is as old as our nation's since before contact. We have had sacred fires lit. But Burnaby's mayor, who also opposes the pipeline expansion, says the camp is generating a lot of complaints and has become intolerable.
10: I think the drug use, the drinking, um, the impact of the the facility on road traffic and and certainly some of the things that have been said in relation to people that are going through the neighbourhood have been offensive.
9: Protesters say they will make improvements to make the camp safer and will meet with officials on Monday, but that might not be good enough.
10: Our CEO has indicated that the appropriate choice and in consultation with the lawyers is to go to court and uh, get an enforceable order that the RCMP feel comfortable in, in utilizing in order to complete the eviction from that area.
9: Meaning the camp's days could be numbered. Jill Bennett, Global News.
3: BC's Gang Task Force is keeping a close eye on Vancouver Island this weekend as around 300 Hells Angels are expected to get together. It is the Hells Angels' 35th anniversary party. Now, members of the biker gang started arriving at the old Nanaimo Clubhouse yesterday. As well as Hells Angels, other outlaw motorcycle gang members might also be turning up for this anniversary ride. Now, the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit says it's no secret that many club members are involved in criminal activity. Police saying they will be keeping an eye on things in the name of public safety.
11: Uh, this is a mandatory ride for them. So this is, this is not something that they can opt out of and it's invitation only. So it's a fairly exclusive event. And then this evening they're planning a very large party at their clubhouse compound. Uh, that happens at about five, six o'clock. Uh, And that's where the majority of our police attention from CFSCUBC will be directed. Then we have that manpower available as well, but we're not expecting any issues. I don't think they want to attract attention to themselves. It's going to be a very busy weekend for everybody, but uh, there's no reason to be concerned. We're aware of it, we have been for some time, and I think it'll go off without a hitch.
3: Welcome back. We've got a follow up now on a story we first told you about last night. Burnaby's mayor is saying a change in government is directly responsible for his city becoming the first in B.C. to take advantage of new rules around rental only zoning. With so many buildings boarded up around Metrotown, dem and affordable housing have now become election issues in Burnaby. The protests are even hitting City Hall. But until this week, attempts to keep existing rental stock have been largely ignored. Now, there was a special council meeting on Thursday. Now, two new towers are on hold. Staff have been given a mandate to find a way to work in a one-to-one conversion ratio. That basically means for every unit torn down, another below market rate unit would have to be built. Now, the mayor, Derek Carrigan, speaking today for the first time about this, saying they should have been allowed to do this years ago.
10: 28 years, we've been asking for the power to zone for rental, and many of these issues wouldn't have arisen if that power had been given to us. Sometimes in in that sometime in that 28 years. Additionally, it's the first time we've had a government that has been committed to providing money for social housing, and so they're prepared to fund social housing projects if we provide the land and we avoid any expenses for development cost charges.
3: In Coquitlam, a woman had had a lucky escape from a house fire this morning. <laughs> Firefighters rushed to this home in the 600 block of Como Lake Avenue. Now, the call came in just after 9.30. Uh, the report saying a person was trapped inside as flames were tearing through. The 50-year-old woman was taken to hospital with unknown injuries. Luckily, nobody was hurt. Nobody else was hurt and a dog was found safe. In the backyard, the cause of the fire is now being investigated. There was a gun scare at a busy intersection in Nanaimo today. This happened at around 2 this afternoon at Comox Road and Terminal Avenue. An artillery gun somehow became unhitched. Witnesses saying... The military gun became detached from the truck trailer it was attached to and then rolled down the hill. Two members of the military reportedly chased the runaway weapon before it hit a yellow taxi, leaving shattered glass all over the road. The city of North Vancouver is sliding into summer for the fourth year in a row. <laughs> lonsdale avenue at victoria park hosting the annual slide the city event it's all part of the two-day fun day festival you can enjoy food trucks and music of course the main attraction that 300 meter long water slide down lonsdale hundreds have been lining up to have a go one couple though deciding to do it three times in a row apparently their first time sliders
11: we were holding hands going down. You tr- were holding hands? Yes.
8: <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> was,
11: it, was it hard to stay together? Uh, uh, not that hard. Well,
8: the first time it was quite hard because we, we crashed into people and people crashed into us. <laughs> so that time it was a little bit hard to keep up. Um, but other times it's, it's really
3: just not that bad. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's quite sweet holding hands. It's quite romantic. It's very romantic. Isn't
12: it? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when it all happens in the summer, the summertime romance is that when that usually all starts? It's
3: a great idea it's for a day. It's a good day. time, yeah. Beats going to the movies kind yeah. of, right? <laughs> and it's outdoors and lots of heat. I mean, we've been talking about the interior, but of course, uh, in Metro Vancouver as well. Yeah, scratching.
6: nice day today. A Great way to cool down. If you're out and about, though, uh, we did have a bit of cloud cover this morning. More sunshine is on tap over the next few days and across the South Coast. Here's a look at our current temperatures this evening. We're sitting at 22 for Victoria. 20 for areas near Kamloops. Central interior also at 20 degrees. And coastal sections near Prince Rupert at 13. Mm-hmm. Still some active weather though tomorrow with the risk of thunderstorms right across the central interior and the heat is on. We've had it a few degrees cooler today but it is going to get cranked up a notch and I'll show you which days and how warmer it will get in just a few minutes.
3: Alright, okay. Well we've, I've got the air conditioning cranked yes, up in my house like I so like many it. people <laughs> as well. Um, any effects on the pitch? Uh,
12: well, or look, anybody? you had the white cat so I was gonna say played, you know, like when you're a kid and it's hot and you just have right. no energy. That's yeah. what the white caps look like. They look like some, some toddlers at a park who had <laughs> nothing uh, going on. They uh, were two nil, <laughs> nil losers in Seattle. That's exactly what they look like. They had no jump in their legs. They have not played well the last three games. And Alfonso Davies did not play. He did not even make the trip. And the rumors are getting stronger and stronger that he's on his way to Barn Munich in uh, Germany. The Huge, oh. super Bundesliga powerhouse there. So it's great for him and for the Whitecaps, but they're, they're talking money in the 12 million-plus U.S. range for transfer really? fees. So it's big dough. It'd be a historic biggest transfer ever in the MLS, so good for Alfonso, but the Whitecaps kind of need him right now. We'll, we'll see if he keeps right. on playing. We're not sure.
3: Welcome back. Let's return to our top story and the fight to contain the wildfires burning across BC right now. Now, one of the biggest battles going on is in the south of Okanagan. That is where we find our Chris Galus. He's just outside of Peachland Forest uh, where crews uh, Chris are desperately tackling that Mount Enius fire. Um, the Okanagan, of course, always a popular choice for staycations. The big questions tonight What kind of impact uh, these evacuation alerts and orders are now having on those local businesses there?
4: Well, it's a big impact in short, Sonia. A lot of businesses here are feeling it. Um, Just anecdotally, we've heard from a number of uh, uh, different hotels, motels, places where people stay, where they're getting phone calls, particularly from uh, far outside this region and into Alberta with people cancelling their holiday plans, and, and they say that's not that's just not right. Everything here is open for business with the exception of a couple of wineries. But those who do remain open are feeling it as well with a, a, a limit to the traffic that they're getting and, and quite a difference from their year-over-year averages. So they wanna get the message out that they're open for business and that people need to know that despite the fires here, they need the business
2: it is impacting uh, certainly a small percentage of our wineries Um, and I think it's uh, it's important to realize that yeah there is this is having a negative impact certainly for those wineries that aren't able to open right now but also for the majority of the wineries that are able to open we're we're hoping that the message gets out that as you can see it's it's not a bad day here today and um, it's pretty much business as usual here.
4: And Sonia, I know you and I both just wrapped up vacations out here as well. You see a ton of Alberta license, plate, uh, license plates. You can't understate how important that traffic from out of province is mm-hmm. to this part of our province and how much it commits uh, to the local economy. So uh, they want to make sure that the message gets out beyond our borders that despite the fires, that for now at least are being well-managed with lower temperatures and higher humidity that we pointed out earlier, um, they're being well-managed, they want to get people in here, and they want the businesses to prosper. So that's the state of things right now. There's been a slight shift in the wind over the last hour or so. We're seeing the smoke from the Mount Inez fire change direction a little, uh, although they tell us that it's uh, manageable and they're on it. So we'll continue to monitor it throughout the evening. If there's any major developments, we'll have them here on Global BC throughout the evening. For now, back to you.
3: Chris, thank you so much for that. And you're right, absolutely important message for such a beautiful part of the province. Uh, Keynote there, do not cancel your trip. Chris, thank you so much for that once again. All right, one of the survivors of a deadly duck boat accident in Branson, Missouri, is sharing her harrowing ordeal tonight. 17 people were killed, nine of them members of her own family. Tonight, growing questions about why this group was on the water in such bad weather.
5: Anguished words tonight from a survivor of the capsized boat. If I was able to get a life
8: jacket, I could have saved my babies. Because they could have at least floated up to the top and somebody could have grabbed them. And I wasn't able to do that. Tia Coleman
5: lost nine family members, including her three children. They traveled to Missouri from Indiana for their summer vacation.
8: When the water filled up the boat, I could no longer see. I couldn't feel anybody, I couldn't see. I just remember, I gotta get out, I gotta get out.
5: The tragedy having a deep impact on this popular tourist destination. As tributes grow to those lost on the water. Could have been me and my grandkids.
8: I mean, it happened to anybody.
5: And now, federal investigators are focusing on what lies 80 feet below the surface of Table Rock Lake. Oh, oh no. The wreckage of the ill-fated duck boat that sank during rough weather on Thursday, taking 17 lives with it, is the centerpiece of what could be a lengthy investigation.
11: We'll be taking
4: Some evidence back with us to Washington DC for further examination and analysis.
5: Investigators hope to retrieve the boat within the next week with a preliminary report coming in weeks or months. But it could take up to a year for any definitive answers into what happened. Concerns about the safety of duck boats stretch back nearly two decades to a deadly accident in Arkansas in 1999 that killed 13 people. What role the boat's design played, including its overhead canopy, and whether life vests would have made the difference in this accident is not clear. The president of the boat company says safety is their number one priority.
10: It's a devastating loss. I mean, well, it's, uh, I can't even comprehend it.
5: A loss that survivors are now just starting to grapple
8: with. Going home, I already know it's gonna be completely, completely difficult. I don't know how I'm gonna do it since I've had a home. It's always been filled with little feet and laughter, and my husband. I don't know, I'm going to do it.
3: In Health Matters tonight, a certain brand of chicken nuggets is being recalled because of the risk of salmonella. Loblaws is recalling its no-name brand of chicken nuggets. Uh, Specifically, it is the package that weighs 907 grams. Now, the Canadian Food Inspection Agency says at least one person has fallen sick after eating those nuggets. The advice now is to throw those out if you have them in your fridge or freezer, or return them to the store where you bought them from. Food contaminated with salmonella may not look or smell spoiled so you wouldn't really spot anything but it can still make you uh, pretty sick uh, christy brand ritz bits sandwiches are also being recalled this is due to possible salmonella contamination as well uh, the recalled products are the cheese and pizza flavored crackers uh, they also include the mini ritz bits sandwiches now if you have those um And if you have any of those recalled Ritz bits, you should again throw those out or return them to the store where you bought them from. So far, no one has become ill from eating these uh, potentially contaminated crackers, but the advice still is uh, to throw them out. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's uh, take a look at the weather right now. Yvonne, let's Yvonne let's take a look at the I'm not going to know anything. Yeah, what's going on out there?
6: Uh, well, it's another warm day today. We've got a few clouds in the mix right now, so it is a touch cooler, but it is really going to clear out uh, this evening and overnight and the return for more sunshine on tap for the latter half of our weekend. We're sitting at 20 degrees with the southwesterly wind at 11 kilometres per hour. Our high today, if you were closer to the water, was at 22. Away from the water was at 24 and 25 degrees, but it is going to be even warmer tomorrow, with areas away from the water closer to 29. Average for this time of the year, 22, a record on this day, 29 degrees set back in 2006. A few other numbers across the province today, with the Soyuz climbing up to 28, Trail 29, Williams Lake today up to 18 degrees, and Tofino topping out at 20. Satellite and radar. So we still are tracking some moisture this evening with the risk of thunderstorms. That's across the central interior. Here's a look at the fire danger rating once again. Across the central half, it is on the low side with that moisture that is still working its way in. It'll be a similar weather picture for tomorrow, but the areas in yellow, moderate to high, are across the southern interior and pushing in towards the southeastern corners. We could see a few spots at extreme. Here's the future cast putting it into play. A similar weather picture for tomorrow, where we're looking at some moisture into the central interior a chance of showers and the risk of a thunderstorm. Most areas across the southern half of the province will be looking at another dry day. Temperatures are going to start to bump up. It's leading in towards next week, hotter midweek and approaching the end of next week tomorrow. Here's the temperature trend to look at some of those numbers. An example for uh, Monday, Tuesday, we'll be back into the 30s and it's later on in the week that we'll be back into the mid and potentially upper 30s leading in towards next week. But that's still a few days out. For the piece, we're up to 14 tomorrow. Chance of showers, gusty winds at times up to 40 kilometers per hour. Much calmer with sunshine making a return on Monday, Tuesday. Whitehorse up to 26 degrees above the average for this time of the year of 21. Most areas across the coast will see some cloud cover but remaining dry for the northern half of the province. Area of concern will be the caribou and in central interior where we are looking at the risk of thunderstorms. Temperatures tomorrow up to 20 degrees and then bumping back up to 24 on Tuesday. Columbia-Kootenai, 30 degrees tomorrow, even hotter Tuesday up to 35. Thompson-Okanagan will see northwesterly winds sustained at 20 and gusts of up to 40 km per hour. Temperatures bumping up to 27, so warmer tomorrow and onwards into next week. Whistler seeing a range between 28. Pemberton will be closer to 31 degrees and across the island at 26 with inland sections tomorrow. On the hot side near Port Alberni could get closer to 32 degrees. Five-day forecast, though, across the south coast and much of Metro Vancouver. Fantastic summer-like conditions. It'll be warmer for tomorrow where, where areas away from the water could get closer to 29 degrees. We could see highs of 30 degrees from Monday onwards. Sonia?
3: All right, lots of sunscreen. Thank you very much for that, Yvonne. Uh, Britain's Prince George uh, turns five years old tomorrow to celebrate the big day. Kensington Palace have released a new photograph of a grinning Prince George. His parents, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge, saying they're pleased to share the photograph to mark the occasion. They've also said thank you to everybody who has sent their well wishes. All right, it is day two of the BC Summer Games. They're all going on in the Couch and Valley on Vancouver Island. Yes,
12: uh, the competition (laughs) apparently is in uh, high gear. More than 2,300 athletes from across the province uh, trying to reach the top of their game in 18 different sports. And our Paul Haysum is there.
11: The BC Summer Games making waves across the Cowichan Valley. Day two of competition kicking off with triathlon in Mill Bay.
2: We're here from the Okanagan, so we're happy to avoid the smoke right now. And uh, yeah, life is good. Oh, this looks like one of my guys, so I gotta run.
11: But just run any direction, and you'll hit something. Like girls' rugby sevens. For the first time ever, every part of the province represented.
1: It's creating opportunities for girls across the province to play and compete against each other at a high level, growing the
11: sport. But it's far from the only sport seeing a spike. 3,200 athletes competing in their field. Where they land, up to them.
10: The BC games were the first time that I actually realized I was good at something. So I don't know if my journey towards the Olympic podium ever would have been possible had I not had the opportunity to compete at those games.
11: For every event and athlete, there's coaches, parents, and an army of volunteers. Like Merites, who moved to Cowichan from the Philippines in February.
8: I'm new here in the community and I want to get involved.
11: The financial benefit for the area? Significant. But for Mayor John Lefebure, it's all about the games.
12: These kids learn to compete and there are no differences. They're all just
11: people who are part of a community. That inclusion, also important for the sports that don't always get the headlines. It's really important for our sport. It's really
0: how we survive and and a lot of our funding comes from the fact that we're incorporated in the games.
11: Far more than just making waves.
3: Better, better, better.
11: Paul Heesom, Global News.
3: Good for that. We're doing really well.
11: Paul was very good with
12: a lot of his uh, kind of sport word tricks he was doing. Oh, yeah. He's very... It's a wordsmith, that man. He's wonderful. It's great.
3: That <laughs> um, Alfonso Davies, a lot of people are talking about this uh, oh, amazing kid. Yeah, it's hard to and say if
12: he'll ever play again for the Whitecaps. Yeah. We don't know how this is all going to work, but uh, he certainly didn't play today. All right, mm. thanks very much. So the latest Alfonso Davies rumor has the Whitecap 17-year-old star heading to German powerhouse Bayern Munich. The transfer is reportedly in the 12 million US dollar range, which would be the highest in MLS history. Negotiations are apparently still going on as we speak. One report from Germany says the Whitecaps are trying to get even more money and that Bayern doesn't want to go much higher than 12 million. But I guess that's why they call it a negotiation. Davies did not travel with the Whitecaps to Seattle for their afternoon match with the Sounders. But boy, they could have used them. Whitecaps had absolutely no spark today. It didn't start well. Just five minutes in. That's a handball on the box. Daniel Henry, the guilty party. That's a penalty. So Nicholas Ladero. Is going to step up for Seattle, and he will convert past Stepan Marinovic, 1-0 Seattle. Then in the 31st, Ladero again, this time from distance. Takes a bit of a deflection, but Marinovic has to have that, doesn't he? It's another goal for the Sounders, 2-0 Seattle at the half. 60th minute, Seattle's new signing, Raul Rui Diaz, fresh off playing for Peru at the World Cup. Big Peruvian contingent at CenturyLink. He should help the Sounders score more goals and they need them. Seattle's had a bad year. Right on cue, Rui Diaz has a good chance, but saved nicely by Marinovich. Caps' best chance comes on the Nicholas Mesquita effort from distance just rolls it wide, although it looks like Stefan Fry had that one covered anyway. Caps lost their cool again. F. E. Juarez arguing a call bumps the ref. Straight red card. Caps red face today. Outclassed by a big margin. 2-0 the final. Seattle now six points behind the eighth place white Caps with two games in hand. It was a good day for the USA at the Open Championship. Six of the top seven on the leaderboard are Americans, including... The defending champ Jordan Spieth, who's at the very top in a three-way tie, Carnoustie played about as easily as it can in perfect conditions today, and that resulted in some very unopen-like low scores. Really He's ideal scoring said, conditions. Wind was low. Camp you camp couldn't have the called the it to Carnasty season. today, which is the nickname when the conditions are horrific. Abbotsford's Adam Hadwin, only Canadian in the field, the had a nice round going, three under for the day through 14. Nice He's approach at well 15. Now. Padwin lands it softly to about 8 feet. Another good look at birdie, but he will just roll this one by. The final four holes at Carnoustie, very tough. Adam finished bogey at 17, double at 18, and that soured a solid round. So he remains at plus one for the tournament in 51st place. Englishman Justin Rose had to birdie 18 just to make the cut yesterday. Today, 7 under 64, low round of the tournament. He's all the way up to minus four, just five off the lead. Tiger Woods also got into the act here on the ninth from distance. Knocks in the unlikely birdie. Three under on the front side for Tiger. And on the next hole, his approach on the tenth. Ooh, Tiger likes it. No, he loves it. Check that out. Tap in birdie. Tiger with a five under 66. Five under just four back. Tied for sixth and definitely in contention. Italian Francesco Molinari coming off a PGA Tour win a couple of weeks ago. Bogey free, 6 under 66. He's at 6 under, just 3 back. Up and down day for Rory McIlroy. Five birdies, four bogeys, but he's still right there at 5 under, just 4 back. Tommy Fleetwood, they call him uh, Tommy Gunn in the English tabloids. Couldn't back up that 65 he shot yesterday. Doubled the 12th right here, but still hanging around at 5 under par. Defending champ Jordan Spieth. This is his opening tee shot of his round going with the driver launches it we edit this for broadcast he got more than ninety yards roll on that on those rock-hard fairways ends up on the green on the par four that's for eagle took a little victory lap but it's an eagle two for Spieth, who looks poised to repeat and get another claret jug on sixteen for the outright lead knocks it in had a bogey free sixty-five he's the co-leader at 900 joining him at the top the very understated but talented Kevin Kisner, great approach at the third. Kistner, three birdies, no bogeys, steady round. He is not flashy, but he's effective. And he is also at nine under, tied with Spieth for the lead. And the third member at the top, another young American, 24-year-old Xander Schofili, finished with a birdie on the tough 18th. So it's Schoffly, Kistner, and Spieth at minus nine, but plenty of danger lurking, including Tiger Woods, who is just... Four shots uh, off the pace at Carnoustie. Welcome back. The Lions have to be feeling they gave one away last night in Ottawa. They had the game by the throat in the late stages, but a couple of unforced errors ended up costing B.C. a win in Ottawa, a victory they deserved considering how hard they played without key players like Solomon Elamimian and a couple of veteran offensive linemen who went down late in the game. Travis Lule was excellent again last night, threw for over 300 yards and two touchdowns late in the fourth game. Tied Travis with a perfect throw to Manny Arsenault who takes this one inside the 15. Manny had a breakout game as well. A season-high five catches for 152 yards. Lions followed up that great play with a puzzling, simple run up the middle. That ruled no one. And then on second seven, a time count violation. Lule said he thought he got it off on time, but bottom line, they blow a chance for a touchdown. Had to settle for a field goal in Ottawa made them pay for it they drove the length of the field william powell with a great play late tiptoes down the sideline inside the side via two-yard line and then finishes the job with the game-winning td tough loss for the lions who fall to two and three they get another bye week next week they don't play again until august 4th against the stamps plenty of time to think about those mental mistakes cfl today bombers and argos former line andrew harris did it all again for winnipeg first quarter Harris with the uh, short touchdown run, made it 15 to one Winnipeg. Second quarter, Matt Nichols with the short pass to Harris for his second TD, walks that one in. Right here and it's 22 to one Winnipeg. Harris really had his way. An 18-yard burst up the middle coming up. He ran for 161 yards, a career high for a single game in the CFL. In the process, moved past John Cornish into second on the all-time rushing yards by a Canadian running back just behind the Hall of Famer Normie Kwong. Bombers win easily 38-20. They're now at 3-3, so the Lions are now last in the West. World Field Lacrosse Championship Canada-USA, rematch of the 2014 final, two best lacrosse nations, in the world. Their games are always fantastic. The USA jumped out to nothing, but the BC boys led Canada back. Ben McIntosh at Coquitlam makes it 2-2. Now 3-2 Canada. Port Coquitlam's Curtis Dixon with a beauty. His second of the game. He was uh, basically named the top attacker of the entire tournament, Curtis Dixon. You can see why. Late first half, Ben McIntosh skips one in. 6-4. Canada leads at the break go to the fourth, now 6-6. Curtis Dixon with Patrick Goal, a sneaky wraparound by Dixon. Canada led 7-6. Now they led 8-7 with just three minutes to go, but the Americans will tie it up. Ryan Brown unleashes a laser there, so it's 8-8. Dying seconds. USA with possession, and it's Tom Schreiber who finds the net with a second to go. It was a crushing loss for Canada, but they, it was a huge controversy. They argued that there was a timekeeping error and the time should have run out. But after a big argument, the goal stands, a controversial 9-8 win for the USA, but another great performance by Team Canada. All
3: right. Finally tonight, we want to show you a pair of professional kayakers who plunged down a 30-meter waterfall and made sure it was all caught on camera. Nadia Stewart has their story.
8: For Edward Muggeridge, kayaking is more than just a sport. It's a passion.
2: It kind of has just grown into something that I love to do more than anything else in my life.
8: Each time he heads out onto the water, a new opportunity to challenge himself.
2: Every day, I have a goal that I can work towards.
8: Recently, Muggeridge achieved one of those goals, doing something very few people had done before him.
2: No one else has tried. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very niche area in the sport of whitewater kayaking
8: making the trek to ram falls just three hours northwest of calgary and going over the edge
2: 100 foot waterfalls are definitely no joke in the sport of kayaking Uh, and when you're looking at waterfalls over 50 or 60 feet you're looking at smaller margins for error and a high risk of injuring yourself if you were to mess up
8: muggeridge approaches the edge
2: You know, my heart was definitely pounding pretty hard, maybe harder than it ever has (laughs) at the top.
8: His feet now under his belt, the 21-year-old has his sights set on another waterfall in the Northwest Territories, driven by the desire to keep on raising the bar.
2: I would like to take this as, as far as I possibly can and push myself you know, for as long as I can.
8: That is your global news. Yikes.
2: How do you
12: practice that one? You know, like
8: well,
3: how
12: do you yeah,
8: practice? how do you do that? You start like I did in a
3: Soyuz <laughs> last In a weekend. bathtub.
12: Or in a bathtub. I went maybe.
3: on a kayak mm-hmm. in a Soyuz oh, last weekend. And I just stayed like by the buoys. No, I just stayed very sure. close to the buoys. Well, maybe,
12: next, you'll, maybe you know. you'll be the next one to go over yeah, the yeah. cliff. By next
3: week, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for watching. We'll see you back tonight here at 11. Have a great evening. Good night.
11: Good night.